This week, Tuesday, I was at a meeting of our classes. If you're Christian Reformed, you know what a classes is. If you're not, you don't, because that's a really weird word. In fact, it's a Dutch word. Um, but it's a regional gathering of, of churches that are in a region, and our particular region extends from Patterson, New Jersey, all the way down to North Carolina, because there aren't many churches in that anyway. But we have a meeting twice a year, and on this Tuesday we had a meeting, it was on Zoom, and we were um, examining a man to become a commissioned pastor in a church. And he did a great job, and it was all wonderful, and he's going to be great. But uh, someone asked him the question during the examination, what is the gospel? What is the good news that the church is preaching? And not to my surprise, but a little bit to my consternation, he said, well, Genesis 3 tells us about how man fell into sin. And because of that fall into sin, we need a savior. And obviously that's true. That's what Genesis 3 tells us about. And that's what uh, Jesus comes to save us from is sin. But that's not where you start the gospel. Genesis 3 is which chapter in the Bible? The third chapter. Here's the gospel, where the gospel starts. When God began to create heaven and earth, this is a translation from Robert Alter. I have talked about Robert Alter over the years, and I strongly advise you, if you have any interest in continuing to read in the Old Testament, that you pick up Alter's translation. Notice, when God began to create heaven and earth, and the earth then was, and you remember this from a couple weeks ago, welter and waste. Anyone remember that? Welter and waste. And darkness over the deep. And God's breath hovering over the waters, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And it was evening and it was morning, first day. And notice here that there's no definite article, the first day. There was morning, it was evening, and it was morning, first day. It's a little bit for the nerds, but. And God said, let there be a vault in the midst of the waters and let it divide from, let it divide water from water. And God made the vault and it divided the water beneath the vault from the water above the vault. And so it was. And God called the vault heavens and it was evening and it was morning. Second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered in one place so that the dry land will appear. And so it was. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering of waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth grow grass, plants yielding seed of each kind and trees bearing fruit of each kind that has its seed within it upon the earth. And so it was. 
And the earth put forth, put forth grass, plants yielding seed, and trees bearing fruit of each kind. And God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and it was morning, third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and they shall be signs for the fixed times and for days and years, and they shall be lights in the vault of the heavens to light up the earth. And so it was. And God made the two great lights, the great light for dominion of day and the small light for dominion of night and the stars. And God placed them in the vault of the heavens to light up the earth and to have dominion over day and night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And it was evening and it was morning, fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with the swarm of living creatures and let fowl fly over the earth across the vault of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that crawls, which the water had swarmed forth of each kind and the, and the winged fowl of each kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the water in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And it was evening, and it was morning, fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of each kind, cattle and crawling things, and wild beasts of each kind. And so it was. And God made wild beasts of each kind, and cattle of every kind, and all crawling things on the ground of each kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make a human being in our image, by our likeness, to hold sway over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the heavens, and the cattle and the wild beasts, and all the crawling things that crawl upon the earth. And God created the human in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and conquer it and hold sway over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the heavens and every beast that crawls upon the earth. And God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the face of all the earth and every tree that has fruit-bearing seed, yours they will be for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the fowl of the heavens, and to all that crawls on the earth, which has the breath of life within it, the green plants for food. And so it was. And God saw all that he had done. And look, it was very good. And now there's going to be a little change. Again, just for the nerds, but it's interesting. And, God, and it was evening and it was morning, the sixth day. This is the beginning of the good news of the gospel. Someone asks you what the good news is. It doesn't start with the sin. It starts with God's creation. Hopefully one of the things that you will take away from the last couple of years of my time here is a thing that I've also been learning in the last few years, and that is this, this interconnectedness of all things, of all living things and non-living things. The whole creation is bound together, and that 
the lot of one thing determines the lot of something else. You remember the line, no one is free until everyone is free. And I've said lots of times, this is a really hard concept for us because we're so individualistically trained and taught. And um, we, we, have been, we have been taught by our culture and, and by literally the teaching that we've got to think of the biblical message and our place primarily as individuals. We don't really understand how things are connected together. And it's that theme I'd like to focus on just a little bit as we just spend a few more minutes in Genesis chapter 1. And what follows, the next little part that follows, comes from an article I found by a professor of Old Testament theology at a Lutheran seminary by the name of Terence E. Fretheim, who was born in 1936 and died in 2020, just not so long ago. And he says this, All the creatures of God constitute a community in relationship. The Genesis creation accounts have important resources for this conversation. What kind of God is depicted in these texts, and what is the importance of the divine decision to work in community rather than alone? And Fredheim is trying to make the point that if we understand God as being distant from creation, think of this Genesis 1 story, and just operating on creation at a distance, then our role as people in the image of God can tend to that same kind of attitude, that we are operating on creation at a distance, And now because of sin, it oftentimes ends up to be manipulation and exploitation. But we're, we're, the creation's out there and we're working on it. And Fretheim is trying to understand that the God of creation and the God of Genesis 1 and 2 might be imaged more as one who in creating chooses to and listen to this, share power. He's creating, he's creating, and he's the, 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 the main power behind, but he's, he's cooperating with creation. God's approach, he says, to creation is communal, and it's relational. I never thought about that in terms of Genesis 1. God's approach to creation is communal and relationship, part of this web of belonging. For example, he says, God uses already existing matter in creation. Remember again the beginning of Genesis 1 as altar and as the Jewish Bible translated, not in the beginning God created, but when God began to create heaven and earth, There was heaven and earth. There was stuff there. God is already using, he's already working with what's there. He's already in there. He's he's beginning this work of creation. And he calls upon already existing creatures to bring about new creation. 
He calls upon already existing creatures to bring about new creation. For example, in Genesis 1.11, God says, let the earth bring forth. Okay, so the image here is not so much that God is walking around the earth doing stuff. He's calling the earth to do what the earth should do naturally because that's the way God has created it. In relation, in community, this is what happens naturally. And there's this this working together between God and creation. And then, and this is a pretty interesting one, God invites the divine counsel to participate in the creation of the human. And that's this word, let's, um, God, God said, let us create man. And we Protestants tend to think of that as the, the first indication of a trinity. I'm not going to go into that because it's a huge another topic and I don't have the smarts to figure all that out. But what Fredheim would like us to add into or throw into that pot of soup, so to speak, is that there's this kind of divine counsel that, that there's, there's more, more person, more beings than one involved in this creation. God is by nature a social being functioning within a divine community that is rich and complex. God here creates communally. Again, he's not at some distance, this, this, this thing or this person just acting upon stuff at a distance. He's intimately involved with the creation and with the community that is himself. This is all community language. And then his last point, God involves the human in still further acts of creation. And this is pretty obvious. There's Adam and Eve. And God says, go and multiply. And go, as Alter says it, go hold sway over. Go work with and within the creation. This is all community. This is all working together. Uh, I think an expensive word for it is, is, I think this is the right word, symbiotic. It's, it's working together. It's, it's in balance. One is feeding the other and the other's feeding the one and all of it is working together. And that's the way God created the world. Intimately involved. The earth, the plants being intimately involved, the animals, the fish, mountains, the waters, the waves, all of it interconnected, interrelated, and calling us as people made in his image to participate in, in, the, in this continuing of creation. When God began, that's the start, <laughs> and now let's keep it going. God is keeping it going, and we're keeping it going, and the animals are keeping Everything is keeping it going. It's this great, I'll use this word again, web of belonging. And that's the foundation upon which the world is built, the foundational perspective, the foundational world and life view. So when someone asks you, what is the gospel? 
You don't start with the misery of man. Apologies to the Heidelberg. You start with Genesis 1 and 2. This is the God that created. He's intimately involved. And he's relationally involved. And it's this this role of creation that just keeps continuing and continuing and continuing. And of course, it's horribly broken. Genesis 3 is there. Heidelberg speaks of the misery of man. Absolutely. We know that. All of us know it in every single way. There's brokenness and sin of all kinds all around us. So the good news, the gospel continues and ends up, of course, with Jesus. I'm going to hit you again, as I've been hitting you the last weeks with Colossians 1, because I really want you, as you go out from Trinity Church, I want you to remember this passage. Colossians 1. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. There's the connection with creation right away. For by him all things were created. So when Genesis 1 happened and Genesis 2 happened, there was Jesus. That's why the gospel doesn't start in Genesis 3. It starts in Genesis 1 and 2 because that's where Jesus starts. I could get pretty upset. I'm trying to stop myself from getting upset about that. Jesus was there in Genesis 1 and 2. For by him all things are created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Here's this web of belonging again. We're all connected And the wood and the trees and the grass and the whales and the lions and the insects and the galaxies. That all I take, as you know, literally. All things. That's what it says. All things. Are held together by not a what, but a who. A person. Everything is held together by a person. There's this relational, this communal nature. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For him, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God, and again, we've talked about this over the last year. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things. So in the brokenness of that first song, just take a look at all those hungry mouths we have to feed 
Take a look at all the suffering we breed. So many lonely faces scattered all around, searching for what they need. Is this the world we created? Yeah, that's the world we created. If there's a God in the sky looking down, what can he think of what we've done to the world that he's created? And this is what he thinks. God so loved the world that he sent this only son, Jesus, to give life. And through this Jesus, to reconcile, and again, I take this all very literally, to reconcile all things to himself. Whether in earth, or in heaven. Remember that vault idea? Remember earth and heaven, that vault? All of creation doing what? Making peace. And what is more relational than peace? Peace between us and God. Peace between us as a community small in our own homes, to wide out to the whole wide world. Peace between us and creation. That cannot happen if we're focused on individualistic exercise of power to exploit. Cannot happen. And that evil needs to be broken in every way that it can be broken by this Jesus so that peace can be made by the blood of this cross and we can be brought together into the community that God had in mind when he began to create the heavens and the earth. So in whatever welter and waste you may find yourself in your personal life, on whatever level that is, your social life, as you look around your community, as you look at your state, as you look at your country, as you look at your world, and maybe especially in these days, as we look at the completion of Trinity Church, with all the pain that that brings. And I cannot tell you how often I go through my week with the way I describe it to myself, with tears behind my eyelids. Even in that what seems like welter and waste. Can we hear these words? When God began to create the heavens and the earth, and Jesus was there, and he holds all things together, He's reconciling all things to himself. And he's making peace. And doing so together with you and together with me and together with us. Whatever that uh, us looks like in three months or six months or two years. And maybe what was welter and waste can in your imagination become a wonderful world.